Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, just a quick heads up on some trigger warnings for this episode. Of course, homophobia, 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 some slut shaming. And then also when we get to sharing our retail experiences, you'll hear Sarah mention the trigger warning as well, but just wanted to give a heads up on that, that um, she does share a story um, that does involve horrible racism. So just wanted to give a heads up on that as well. But I hope you enjoy our last episode, at least for this year, for Gen X Movie Month. Although you'll hear me mention a couple of other Gen X movies that uh, we will be talking about later this year. Thanks so much. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are wrapping up Gen X Movie Month, which like I've been saying, I really... I feel like we started this like two days ago. This went by so quick. (laughs) I can't believe it's over. Um, But we're wrapping up with Kevin Smith's film from 1994. So we're still in 94, Clerks. And I have with me Aaron A. and Sarah. Aaron A. sadly wasn't able to stay with us on our Wednesday episode. So fingers crossed. I think so far. So far. If we can't fix it, I give up. I'm going to. I'm done. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to go cry in a corner by myself. <laughs> but fingers crossed that Erin A is able to stay on for this one. And also, we were supposed to have Meg on this week, but Meg, unfortunately, was unable to join us. Uh, but Meg will be back soon, like basically almost for the entirety of May. So that'll be fun. If you don't know what Clerks is, and of course, we're going to be spoiling this. I don't know how you can really spoil this movie, but... <laughs> But it's 1994. Once again, it's on you. If you haven't seen it, this is right now on Paramount Plus if you're looking for where to watch it. Uh, but Clerks is follows a day in the life of two convenience clerks named Dante and Randall as they annoy customers, discuss movies, and play hockey on the store roof. Uh, that one's not that bad. This was written and directed by Kevin Smith. And it stars Brian O'Halloran as Dante, Jeff Anderson as Randall, Marilyn Gigliotti as Veronica, Lisa Spoonauer as Caitlin, Jason Mews as Jay, and Kevin Smith as Silent Bob. And of course, Jay and Silent Bob would go on to become these very well-known characters within the Kevin Smith universe. So I'm sure you'd know, I mean, if you know Kevin Smith, I'm sure you know who Jay and Silent Bob are. I don't know how you don't know who Kevin Smith is, so I'm sure you know Kevin Smith is by this point. Um, And this one, just wait till you hear the budget on this movie. This is a true independent movie. The budget on this was $27,000. That's right, $27,000. A big reason this is filmed in black and white is because it would be too expensive and too hard for some of the stuff to be corrected lighting-wise, and so that's why it's in black and white. Um, the opening weekend, it made $31,665. The worldwide gross is $3.1 million. So not that much, but on a $27,000 budget, 
That's huge. This made Kevin Smith, made his career. Um, He became one of the most successful directors. Kevin Smith was working at the store that this is filmed in. That's where his job was. And so they would film after the store was closed. And then he would try and get maybe an hour of sleep, go to work right afterwards. He sold a bunch of his comics that he loved. He's a big comic collector. And he has started to work back on gaining a lot of those back. And he actually originally, and this is why Randall has some of the best lands in the movie, he was originally going to play Randall. And then he ended up not playing Randall. Um, and Jason Mewes, of course, this was like, Jason Mewes wasn't really an actor that much before this. It's like there's the scene where Jay does his dance. He was so nervous about doing that, that they kind of cleared off the set because he could not do it in front of a lot of people. So he was kind of a nervous wreck making this movie. But I am very curious to talk about this one because this was my first time watching it since the 90s. <laughs> I have not watched this movie since the 90s. <laughs> my panelists look really shocked by it, but I haven't. So this was interesting watching it on Friday. So first, though, before I get into my thoughts, I want to know. So Aaron A., What are your overall thoughts on this film? And do you have any fond memories of seeing it when you were younger? I I love this movie. I always think of it fondly, but I can't even remember the first time like I saw it. It's just kind of always been around. I think I know I've seen it a ton of times. I like really I'd like it's just always been in my life. Is that weird to say about a movie? No. It came out in 1994. I was like in middle school, so I'm sure I didn't see it when it was new because that would have been super inappropriate. But (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I saw it in high school. I mean, I know I saw it in high school because I remember like watching it repeatedly in high school. But yeah, it's just like every couple of years, I get the itch to watch it again. Um, Whenever a new Kevin Smith movie comes out, we always go back to watch Clerks and, um, you know, the whole universe in in clerks all of the different spin-off movies and stuff i i like all of them but this is for sure like the classic original possibly the funniest one out of out of all of them and sarah oh my god yeah i remember when this came out yeah i was 20 and uh, my boyfriend at the time i think we saw it in the theater like three times (laughs) because it was so hilarious. I remember reading about it because I grew up in in central New Jersey, um actually not far not incredibly far from where uh, Kevin Smith grew up. So it had been in the local papers and stuff about it coming out and I remember it was actually because of the uh, amount of profanity in the movie. There's a lot if you haven't seen it. It, because of the amount of the profanity in the movie, it almost got an NC-17 rating. And they eventually, I don't i don't know, I don't remember if they cut anything or if they just came around and said, okay, we'll give you an R rating. But I have very fond memories of this movie. I still quote it to this day. <laughs> uh, it's one of the few movies I quote that my husband actually gets the reference to. And I just watched it again on Thursday, uh, thank you, Paramount Plus. Uh, and my, my husband comes upstairs. He's like, clerks? He said, yeah, I'm doing podcast research again. He's, 
do you really need to research this movie? I'm like, yes, I know. I've seen it like two dozen times. There's no excuse not to watch it again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I still, I mean, it's uh, like I was saying to a friend today, I'm like the movie, because she had never seen it. The movie is, I said, it's so funny, but it's just so wrong and not politically correct at all. But I still, I, I still absolutely love it and still think it's like one of the funniest, like it's one of my favorite comedies of of all time and the fact that he did make it for like twenty seven thousand dollars is just is just crazy you know and it did it launched his career and i i've seen most of his comedies um dogma being my favorite but that is impossible to find so unless you find it on dvd in like a used bookstore or something or you actually own it which i think i i don't know if i do i did but i don't know where it is yeah, good luck because you're not going to get it streaming anywhere. So yes, loved it when it came out. Still love it to this day. Yeah, like I said, I I saw this right. I graduated high school in '95, and I did not see this in the theater. And that's why it shocked me. I'm like, this this came out in '94. I could have sworn it came out in '95 because I watched it when I was actually working at a at a video store, and I was. Uh, living in Boulder, and um, it was one that I rented, and we loved it, and we watched it quite a few times. We would quote it and everything like that, but then I just never revisited it, and I never really had the urge to, and I can't explain that because it's not that I didn't like the movie because I really liked it a lot, and I really like Kevin Smith movies. I, you know, with the exception, some of them I don't like as much, like Red State I'm actually not a big fan of, and a couple of other ones, but I like and I like him. If you ever get a chance to see Kevin Smith live, because he does speaking tours, and I was lucky enough to see him at the Paramount here in Colorado about like ten years ago, and during the Red State tour, like he was doing a tour with that, and he's incredible. I don't know if my other two panelists have seen him, but he's amazing. Really, if you get a chance to do that, even if you don't like his films, do it. Do it. I've heard that. I, I had tickets to see oh, him in in Denton, Texas, which is uh, uh, right outside of Dallas. And I ended up getting sick and couldn't uh-huh. go. Um, but that was, I think that was like right before he had his heart attack when he was doing that speaking tour. Actually, it might have been, no, it wasn't there. Um, but I was so disappointed. So I keep hoping he'll come back so I could see him again. Or really for the first time. <laughs> yeah, if you ever get a chance to, it's it's so he's so entertaining and thoughtful and so damn intelligent. And it's just it's one it's a great experience. And he is, you know, he is a fan first and then a filmmaker. And I, I appreciate that about him because sometimes I do think that some people, not all, but some people in this industry can at times forget what it means to be a fan of something and forget the joy of that and kind of, you know, and be upset when fans are upset about something or fans are very excited about something. And Kevin Smith knows what it's like to be a fan and he is always a fan. And so I really, really highly recommend, even if you hate all of his movies, I guarantee you will probably (laughs) like seeing him speak. He's really incredible. Um, But this movie, like I said, when I first saw it, I, I really did like it. Watching it this time, I understand it's the 90s, and a lot of these movies we've covered, some of the stuff, I'm like, oh, God, I forgot. 
Wow. The hardest part for me in this movie, honestly, was the amount of homophobia in this movie. And a lot of it, I think, comes from the thing is, is that even though it was hard, a lot of it I I understand because uh, a lot of it is these men and these male characters and their own hangups and their own like it. A lot of it struck of like gay panic stuff too, you know, like that you'd see in Friends and you'd seen a lot of shows at that time. And so I understand it's the 90s. I understand that. But having not watched it in decades, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot how much of this is in here. <laughs> and a lot of it I'm like, oh, my gosh. Um, but I still really enjoyed it. I laughed a lot. I, I still think it is the most accurate depiction I have ever seen of working in retail. Ever. Ever. And uh, we'll get to that later. And especially working in a video store. Uh, some of those scenes, I'm like, I experienced exactly that, that moment. I would have never gotten away with the stuff Randall did. But I, <laughs> I, but of course, that was a big chain movie, uh, video store that I was working in. So. Uh, and this was not really a big chain. But yeah, this captures retail perfectly. And it is a very Gen X movie, but I think it's also something that can fit into a lot of generations as far as like the retail working side of it, for sure. Um, and some of the some of the characters too, definitely. But I, but I did enjoy watching it. And it's such a quick, easy watch. And I, I want to say, as we move into the characters here and start with Dante, um, I don't know if... I'm assuming both Aaron and Sarah might know this since they are such huge fans of the movie. But originally, I don't know if people know this, and I'm really glad this never happened. And I forgot about this until I was reading up on the movie. There, an, a, there was an alternate ending. The way this movie was supposed to end is at the very end, a robber comes in and shoots and kills Dante. And Miramax was notorious for editing and, you know, editing out stuff that they wanted and taking control and not listening to the filmmakers. But Kevin Smith, amazingly enough, they did listen to him and he's like, no, I want it this way. But Kevin Smith in the end decided not to have that happen. And when I was watching it this time and you have the end scene and you have, you know, you have Randall leaving and Dante's there and you can see how that would have probably happened if Randall would have left. And instead, you know, you have Randall peek back in and then it's gone and then it's cut, cut. But they probably would have had Randall leave and then the door opens again. And then the <laughs> would be my assumption of how that might have gone. So that would have turned this into a really dark, dark movie. Uh, yes, I, d I don't know. I'll, and both of you can comment on that when I get to you. But let's start with the character of Dante, played by Brian O'Halloran. So what are your thoughts on Dante, Aaron? Oh, Dante, he's like, he's like the perfect, like classic retail worker that like doesn't really want to do anything more, anything better. His girlfriend's always hassling him to like get a better job, you know, and stuff. But he's like such a, a pushover. He's kind of sweet, but he's kind of a jerk. I I just like i don't know he's not my favorite uh character i he's always apologizing that just cracks me up and the way that like randall gets him to apologize for apologizing <laughs> it's great i i think i think i've known some dantes 
in my uh, careers in retail. But I don't know if I have a lot to say about him. He like I, I appreciate the banter between Dante and Randall. I think it's it's perfect. Those two together are like just opposites of each other and fit together so well. But and he's just I don't know. He's not my most favorite, but I I think he's highly entertaining in that aspect of just like such like a just a bummer of a guy. I feel like in that aspect, it's it's kind of funny he's so indecisive whenever it comes to like uh veronica and caitlin which makes me insane because i just cannot like he needs to decide i don't know if i have a lot of strong feelings about dante as much but as the whole is the way he fits into the movie i think it's really he's a perfect character for this situation even though I, I don't think as a person I probably wouldn't want to be friends with them or anything. <laughs> <laughs> so Sarah, what are your thoughts on Dante? I disagree. I'd probably be friends with him in high school. <laughs> I mean, just classic Dante line. I'm not even supposed to be here today. That's another one I quote often. Uh, but yeah, he is he is kind of a pushover. And we'll probably get into more about that with uh, Caitlin later and his relationship with her. and. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can see her and shaking her head. <laughs> I, I, I mean, like, dude, she cheated on you how many times and you still want her back? Like, what? what is wrong with you? Just, it's been how many years? Move on. But he was, like, growing up in that area, he was, like, at the time, the quintessential convenience store worker uh, growing up in New Jersey, we had we, convenience stores weren't just attached to gas stations. I mean, we had them just randomly. There's one right by my parents' house, and I don't even know what it's called now. Um, but it was just a convenience store. There's no gas station there, nothing. So those were those were pretty common in New Jersey at the time. Uh, not too much anymore, but he was like the quintessential convenience store worker. Didn't like what he was doing, but would agree, like, you know, in the opening scene, you know, I'm not supposed to work today. Oh, all right, I'll come in, but you have to be there by noon. Like, he just can't say no to anyone, you know, and I kind of relate to that because I have issues with saying no to people. But I mean, you know, his, you know, his relationship, him and, and Randall, I think, I think they're their relationship, their personalities balance each other very well. I, I, Randall kind of calls Dante on some of his stuff, like the over apologizing and things like that. And the whole thing with Caitlin and like, why dude, like really, why are you doing this? So, I mean, overall, I like his character. I like all the characters. I think they all play off of each other very well. Um, In, you know, I don't know what, from what I understand, with casting Kevin Smith did a lot of uh, asking his friends, uh, you know, or people that he knew uh, to be in the movie. So, I mean, overall, I I have to say, I do, I, I do like Dante, but I think uh, he needs to uh, grow a little bit of a backbone, uh, so to speak. And, you know, instead of trying to please everyone else, start focus on focusing on what he wants. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, he is a total pushover. He's a person who can't say no. And then he's really frustrated with himself. And and I relate a lot to this character in a lot of aspects um, as far as that part and the pushover part and always taking on, uh, doing stuff that they might not want to do, but worrying about saying no. And then, I mean, you see so many instances, instances in here when you have like the person in the beginning who has that lung and it's really the sales rep for um, the gum company. And he's saying they're trying to stop people from smoking, which once again, this is another movie with tons of tons of people buying cigarettes, but you very rarely see people smoke. Jay and Silent Bob do. And of course, this was a movie that made Kevin, turn Kevin Smith into kind of a smoker, but you don't see people smoke as much, which was really interesting to me, but they're constantly buying cigarettes. But uh, but that whole thing and how he doesn't stop this person until it's like too late from being there and they end up attacking him. And it's just like he never stops people. He has the guy go use the restroom and then he keeps giving him stuff. And, you know, and then, of course, that ends up we'll get it to it with Caitlin. That ends up <laughs> the weirdest things ever. Um, but he is he's just a total, total pushover. But then when he tries not to be like when they have the hockey game on the roof or when he goes to the memorial service, like all these things that he shuts down the store for that he shouldn't be doing. It's like one of those where he's like, I'm so fed up. I'm just going to go ahead and do this, even though this is actually the, a stupid thing to do at that point, because you could lose your job. He ends up getting that fine because he has Randall sitting there and Randall's not paying attention. Randall sells that little girl, the cigarettes. And so he ends up having to pay for that fine because he's not going to, because he says he was there and, all this stuff that ends up happening to him with the guy dying in the bathroom all happened because of the times that he actually does do something that he wants to do because he's – I think it's just one of those things where he's at that point where he's like, I've just got to do something and so I'll just do this without thinking about the ramifications of it. But So I do feel for him on one hand. On the other hand, man, the slut shame he does to Veronica. Holy moly. I <laughs> – I mean, give me a break. I'm like, men, yeah. men, he's a man though. I mean, this is a typical male behavior where men can fuck as many women as they want to do as many things as they can. And that's okay. A woman does anything even remotely to what they've been doing and she's a slut. And that was so horrible. I mean, it's not shocking, but it was horrible. But she calls him out on it too. Well, no, I know. I'm just saying he's, he, I don't, I don't, I, I don't appreciate that about him. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and he came, he he came around though because Randall like, kind of calmed him down. You know, I, that's like a typical. You don't want to think about your girlfriend with that many dudes. But then Randall's like, "Is this really like it's fine?" So I feel like with some time he was gonna like apologize and not yeah. But it, it was the initial such a jerk. Initial, yeah, initial shock. Yeah. Yeah. That initial response that was like, really? Like, you just said you had sex with 12 women and now you're going to criticize her? He should have taken a minute to think about his response <laughs> before he freaked out. It's a typical male. It's a typical yeah. man. And, he's slut -sh and it's slut-shaming. It is just plain and simple slut-shaming. Yeah. And whether or not he actually, I, I think he he reluctantly is apologizing honestly i don't know if he's at that point where he's like oh i'm gonna be this better person who's gonna accept who veronica is um but and frankly i don't think any of these women should be with him i don't I think he 
be very hard to have a relationship with. And I think he's one of those that I think probably next up, if if him and Veronica aren't together, he's going to end up with another woman and then he's going to be hung up on Veronica. I think he's one of those guys where he gets hung up on whoever his last ex was that he was really deeply involved in involved with, especially if he was in love with them and like he comes to realize he loves Veronica. And so I have this feeling he's just going to end up like on this, you know, like, I mean, I know there have been the sequels to be honest. I have not seen the latest Clerks movie, so I have no idea how, you know, I'm just going off the first one here, but going off of the first one, I don't know. I just kind of think he's one of those people. You've known people like that, both men and women who they get hooked hooked on their last partner and even when they were with that partner, they worked on the partner before. So it's that kind of thing, you know. I think he's like the grass is always greener on the other kind of person. Well, let's get to the character of Randall, played by Jeff Anderson. And of course, there's a famous scene in here. I just want to give this a little bit of trivia where Randall is ordering all of these movies for the video store. And he's ordering all these pornographic titles. And then he's going to be ordering a kid's movie. Well, Jeff Anderson, sorry, did not want to do that scene in front of the kids. So he was like, no, you're not going to let this kid be here while I read off of these titles. So he's not filming that part in front of a kid just to let everybody know he refused to do that, which I have to say kudos to him for that. So (laughs) yeah, that's so the kid is not hearing that. So, (laughs) so Aaron, is this someone that you would have been friends with then, Randall? absolutely i love randall so much i feel like i am a randall in in general because yes i love how snarky he is especially to the customers i i've actually received that feedback before on my performance reviews of i should be less sarcastic to my employees so i apologize for anyone that's ever worked for me (laughs) So, yeah, I love how he's just always throwing people out. Like, I I tore up her card, told her never to come back and stuff like that. (laughs) But and he's, like, for being, like, grumpy retail guy, he's, like, also super zen, like, super calm, like, what's going to happen is going to happen kind of thing. Like, the opposite of Dante, who's, like, kind of just on the edge all the time. But then everyone annoys him. And like, it's just like he said, this job would be great if it weren't for the customers, which is just perfect. Yeah, he's for sure my favorite. One of my favorite things is that he's like, he's kind of the one that convinces Dante that, yes, he like he needs to be with Veronica, like forget about Caitlin. And then he's the one that like breaks the news to Veronica and breaks them up, basically, which is just so funny what else can i say about dear randall um (laughs) i don't know i just i like he i identify with randall about uh, one of the favorite my favorite things is when they're like oh cute cat what's his name and he's like annoying customer (laughs) (laughs) so like everything he says is just so so perfect it's probably things that you shouldn't actually say to anybody most of the time but I think he's great and like what a great like job to be able to like work right next door to your best friend and like hang out all day long. Um, That's really cool too. I think that's like neither one of them is ever going to quit. And if one of them quits like the next day, the other one's going to quit. I feel like so that's that's like the perfect 
perfect work best friend they're always together they were playing hockey together and stuff so yeah for sure randall is my favorite (laughs) (laughs) and sarah oh yeah randall randall's definitely my favorite he has the best lines (laughs) like when he's sitting on the counter in in the video store and the the customer comes in and wants she's like oh which one do you like better and he's basically you know i don't know (laughs) and she just turns around and shows him the same movies and he's like oh yeah those both suck she's like they're the same ones you didn't even look at them he's like i don't appreciate your ruse (laughs) ma'am You're cutting a time to trick me. Um, he does. He has the best lines going on and on about his insights with Star Wars and the building of the Death Star and how many contractors must have lost their lives in the destruction of the Death Star. <laughs> That's one of my favorite scenes, the whole argument about that. Oh, my God. Then, All Jedi had was a bunch of Muppets. Oh, my God. That makes me die every time. Which is your favorite, Empire? <laughs> but, that, that's, but that's typical Dante and... Randall, whereas Dante, you know, like he says, you know, Empire ends on a down note, and that's all life is, is a series of down notes, which is just such a Dante thing to say. And Randall has like the completely opposite opinion. I I see Randall as actually being somewhat more optimistic than than Dante, and only because maybe optimistic's not right but he's he just kind of lets things roll off his back he doesn't worry you know i do love his sarcasm because sarcasm is my second language but he's my god he's just so funny (laughs) oh my god i i I don't know what else to say about him i just he's he and i think he is someone else that i probably would have been would would have been friends with like in high school um because i knew i knew a lot of people like that too but he he definitely I, I he doesn't necessarily put dante in his place but he does definitely challenges dante which i like and and pointing out his issues i guess <laughs> not so much issues but like you know like i'd said before i don't know if i could have seen kevin smith in that role I, I don't think that, and, and uh, I love Kevin Smith, but I think he makes a much better Silent Bob. Um, I just, I just, I just don't see him. Even though I know he wrote it for himself, I just don't see him in that role. I just don't think it would have worked. I think it's uh, uh, better with uh, what they went with. Whose name is eluding me at the moment? Uh, Jeff Anderson. Uh, Jeff Anderson. Thank you. <laughs> no, I. I, I I'm like, what is his first name? I can't remember. <laughs> I, I agree with that. I totally agree. So I I do. I I love this character. I'm a lot. This is so. I was never never not like this character at all. This is someone who some of the stuff they do and say. I wish I was more like this person, kind of thing. Although this this part I do I do relate to is when Dante says to him, "You hate people," and he's like, yeah, "But I love gatherings." <laughs> Ironic, isn't it? That's probably my favorite because I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a big, I will be honest. I love animals a hundred billion times more than I love most people. Um, (laughs) There's this amazing song that my sister sent me um, called I hate people or people. I I, have to pull it up here. And it is very true. It's the, it's kind of the way I feel. 
most of the time, which doesn't mean I don't love my panelists or I love this thing, but it's like that just people get annoying. I hate everyone by Get Set Go, which is very much a song about about how annoying people can be. So I totally relate to that, but I think, and I, and I would have, man, I would have loved when I was working at Blockbuster to be able to say some of the stuff he says to these customers would have been so much fun because some of them would have deserved it, frankly. And so it would have been so fun to be that way. And I, I just have never been that way because of my Dante-ness creeping in. And so I can't, I, I, but I wish I could because, you know, I think deep down, even though, you know, I mean, some of the stuff, of course, he says is like, ugh, cringy and icky. But I think deep down of all of these characters, I think he is um, the most caring in a lot of respects. I think he is the most authentic. I think he is the one who, I think he's the better friend of the two of them. And yes, I know he he arrives late at work, does all this stuff, and he you know ends up leading Dante into having that ticket. But Dante's the one who said he was there, so you know I just think overall I think he is the more um, genuine of the two main and and of all the char- characters really. Uh, so I do I really really love watching him. I love his first entrance when he walks the way he walks in his little dance walk in. I I he cracks me up. I definitely would have been friends with someone like this. And in fact, I'm pretty sure I had friends like this, um, male friends like this. So I definitely would have been friends with someone like this. And he's just really hysterical. I think Jeff Anderson does a really good job because I will say rewatching this, I'm like, most of this acting is in this movie is not necessarily the best. But I think he is probably the best actor in this whole movie is Jeff Anderson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's so good. And his chemistry with everyone is really good. Mm-hmm. And he's giving it his all. So I, I think he's great. And I really like Randall. Okay, well, let's move on to the two female characters in this. So we're going to first start with Veronica, played by Mary Gigliotti. So what are your thoughts? And Veronica is uh, Dante's girlfriend. So what are your thoughts on Veronica, Erin? <laughs> God, this girl. Man. I don't know why she is with Dante. I feel like she could do so much better. She's got like ambition and drive and she like changed school so that she could do college closer to him to try and encourage him to go back to college. It's like, come on. They've, they've been together for what less than a year, I think seven months or something. I just don't know why she's putting up with this guy. Um, I get he's probably really easy to push around. He probably does like whatever she tells him. But gosh, this this girl can do so much better, I feel like. I love I I like how like how fast she talks. <laughs> just you can tell that she's just always thinking about something going a mile a minute. I I love like we were talking about earlier how she just pushes back with him whenever he's like 37 and She's just like, why? Why is that a big deal? Like, she's, if I want to do it, I'm going to do it sort of thing. And so good for her for not, like, you know, feeling like she'd done something wrong, like he was trying to make her feel. And, like, honestly, I feel like a lot of people would have broken up with him right there in that argument. So, and she brought him lasagna for lunch. That's so sweet. 
but yeah i i like her but i'm like a little frustrated with her of like she she could do better but i'm glad she's around because it provides a lot of uh a lot of entertaining situations and sarah your thoughts on veronica uh first of all she was like the perfect jersey girl the hair, the acid wash jeans, the boots, everything. I mean, that oh was... Oh, my God, the shoulder pads. The like, shoulder pads, oh, that was You're 22, so... why are you wearing shoulder pads? Oh, I my know. God. But that was so <laughs> New Jersey at the time. It really was. I mean, that was... It, I mean, I never had the big hair, but yeah. I mean, there, there were plenty of us. You looked for my big yearbook, and it was so much Aquanet. It was so much Aquanet. It was scary. But anyway, I love her introduction when she comes in and uh, they're all attacking Dante, screaming cancer merchant, <laughs> she just hoses them down with the fire extinguisher. I loved her introduction. That being said, she needs to run. She needs to run fast. Not, you know, I like Dante, but she can do so much better than Dante because she does she's got the drive she's got the ambition you know everything that she has done like switching schools has been for him and I don't think he really appreciates it everything yeah no she he does not appreciate everything that she has done for him or that she is trying to do for him and and trying to help him and and encourage him so she yeah she needs to just move on and and find find someone better but I do like her I love her strength and how she just does not put up with his bullshit like like it's been said with you know 37 (laughs) you know 36 including is that including me uh 37 and and she does she calls him out on it and it's like okay you just told me you slept with 12 women I didn't bat an eye I'm paraphrasing um, but you freak out over this, really? And yeah, is she just calls him out on his complete overreaction to to that. But yeah, I mean, overall, I love I love her or I like her character. But yeah, she need she needs to run far away and uh, find someone who's got a lot more ambition and uh, compatibility with her. Because he certainly does not. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) she should not be with Dante. She deserves so much better than Dante. And (laughs) I do, what I really appreciate about this character and about what Kevin Smith did with this character is even though Dante is slut-shaming her, the movie isn't slut-shaming her. Dante is. And that's a big difference And especially if you have a man writing this, it's amazing to me that there wasn't like a way that they presented it where like the way she dressed, the way she talked, the way anything like that, where they would try and paint her as like a slut, basically. And I really, really love that. I love that she owns, she owns this. This is her sexuality. She owns up to it. And she's like, this is, you know, I've done this. She's not ashamed of it. I don't ever get the feeling that she's ashamed of it. And I really appreciated that. And I appreciated that Kevin Smith, a man, wrote that and had a female character who is basically the woman that everybody's like, this is the better woman to be with. 
And she was the woman who, um, you know, and Caitlin too is presented as very sexual, but she was the woman who, um, who had been slut shamed, who had, you know, who had blown 37 men, all this stuff, you know, and usually when you would have a character like that, she would be treated like trash and she would not be the person that everyone would be trying to root for Dante to be with. I know we're not, but I'm just saying in the movie wise, they're rooting for this to be the girl that he should be with. Um, you know, silent Bob, the only time he ever speaks is <laughs> in defense of her. So it, it, so I do really appreciate that a lot for such a male centered movie and for a man to have written this It is, you know, we talked about in reality bites last week, how, because that was written by a woman, that's probably a lot of why Vicky had such an onus of her sexuality. And so it is nice to see a man write a female character like this. And I, I do want to say, I do think, I mean, I think there are some issues with like, one day we will cover Chasing Amy and talk about some of the stuff there, the sexuality. But I think overall, I think Kevin Smith does really well with writing female characters overall. And I and I want to point that out because I think sadly that could be very rare with male writers. And I do think he overall does a pretty good job with that. So yeah, but I, she, she deserves better. I mean, she's, she's not even just making him a sandwich. She makes him flipping lasagna. You know how long it takes to make lasagna? <laughs> That's not something you just slap together. I am not a good cook and I've made lasagna a few times though. And it's time consuming. Yes, it is. And it takes a while to bake and yeah. She's not just whipping together a sandwich. She made him flipping lasagna and she's in school and she's doing, I mean, come on. She, she should run away from Dante <laughs> for sure. I never wanted them together. And especially rewatching this, I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, but let's talk about the other character, the character that Dante is hung up on, Caitlin, Dante's ex. And Caitlin, of course, is it in the newspaper. They announced Caitlin is engaged, which then... She later comes to see Dante and says she didn't give an answer. And then her quote unquote fiance basically made it sound like she had and her mom went and wanted it published and all this stuff. And the big thing with Caitlin, of course, is she comes back. Dante's going to take her out on a date. He dresses up. He's still with flipping Veronica. So, you know, that was really not a nice thing to do. But the man who went to the bathroom, you know, that we've forgotten about, she goes back to the bathroom, comes out, and you find out he had been dead, and she had sex with him, and it was the best sex she'd ever had. Um, so, yeah, trigger is, I guess, for, for necrophilia. <laughs> Unintentional. Oh, my gosh, that would, that's going to mess her up so much. So, Aaron, what are your thoughts on, on Caitlin? Yeah, that is, like, so inappropriate and gross but still hilarious at the same time which i feel kind of bad about laughing at but oh my gosh like just i, I can't even uh, caitlin gosh i this girl i've i've known girls like this who just do whatever they want and she knows she's got dante wrapped around her finger you know cheated on him a whole bunch of times but she knows he's such a pushover she knows that she can take advantage of him and she's just playing with him i don't think she really wants to be with him again i think she's just there to like mess up his life and move on again like she's one of she wants him because some other girl wants him right now 
So it's kind of other than the fact of having sex with the dead guy, I could do without Caitlin. <laughs> it's just so funny, and I know it shouldn't be funny, and I know it's, it's wrong. <laughs> but and the fact that Dante, even like after she's like, obviously they're like, oh, she's gonna need years of therapy, and he's like, well, maybe I could wait for her. Like, come on, man. <laughs> so yeah i just gosh and oh man her hair is just like so she is like such a like 90s 90s girl oh, that that was definite jersey the, hair the hair and like the little outfit with the suspenders. that was yeah oh, that was man. so early 90s so early 90s i'm pretty sure i had an outfit just like that when i was <laughs> little. The suspenders and everything yes but she didn't have a hat like I, I had a really cool like boy george hat that i would wear with my suspenders outfit oh anyway. so kind of a la blossom yeah oh man yeah. blossom with all the flowers on her hats oh, yes. i love that <laughs> Oh man, um, but yeah, I'm I'm over Caitlin and like Dante doesn't deserve that. He's not like doing he's doing wrong too, but I feel like he was a little bit led into it, and he's kind of like such a pushover. He's just gonna go with whatever, with whatever anybody tells him, whether it's a good idea or not. He should know better, but yeah, she's just she's no good. Yeah, yeah, and and I forgot to. Add, um, and this, of course, was played by Lisa Spoonauer, who didn't do much work and, and um, sadly passed away on May 21st, 2017, of a um, prescription drug overdose. She was at the time, she actually, Jeff Anderson, she was dating Jeff Anderson, and he proposed to her on the set of Clerks. They separated, and then she later married some, somebody else, too. Um, but I forgot to mention that. So that is that is sad. Uh, for sure. Yeah, this character, um, <laughs> she, yeah, I agree. She does not care about Dante. She's just like, whatever. I I don't think she really wants to be with anyone necessarily. I think she's kind of like, I'll just use men for certain things and use whoever I'm with for certain things. And it is hilarious. It is hilarious that she, it's, it's wrong. It's wrong on so many levels. But it is hilarious that she has sex with a dead man and that it's like the best sex. And the way she's walking out from the back playing with her suspenders, she's like (laughs) that glow. It's like, how do you do that? And it's like, it's not not the same body type as Dante or anything. How did she not know? Well, the lights were out. She's she's like all proud of herself. Mm -hmm. My question is, what kind of sex has she been having that having sex with a dead man is the best sex she's ever had? Like, <laughs> what was all about her? I mean, the sex was all about her, she said. was was all about her, so it wasn't like she was worrying about him getting off. It Good was point. about her yeah. getting off, which I think is where she was what she was talking about because he's not doing it. And the reason she probably doesn't recognize that it's not Dante is because she is a very selfish character. So she's so self-absorbed that she probably doesn't even know what Dante looks like. And of course it's dark, dark back there. She can't see anything, which they keep stressing. I mean, you know, realistically, this probably would have never happened, of course, (laughs) even with her being self-absorbed. But it is hysterical. It's absolutely hysterical. It's one of those, like, I, I just feel bad about laughing at this because this is just so horrible, but it's so funny. 
Yeah, and the look on her face, and I still, I still can't believe I'm like, did she ask to be put in the ambulance with his dead body? Because I would not want to be near that. And she's like in that ambulance with the dead body. They, gotta, they, they can't afford two ambulances. You know how expensive gas is. <laughs> Just traumatize this poor girl even more. I know. I'm like. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like they said, she's going to need years of therapy to begin with. But yeah, let's just put her in the ambulance with the dead guy she just had sex with. But the look I mean, it on can't her get face. worse, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but let's get um, to Jay and Silent Bob, who became staples throughout um, the whole Kevin Smith universe. They come along there in, you know, Dogma, that's been mentioned before, which is also... I second that that is also my favorite Kevin Smith movie. And a lot of the reason, just so you know, that you can't get it because I know people will be asking. You can't get it a lot because it's so hung up in rights and Kevin Smith doesn't have the rights to this movie. And they were being held hostage by oh, the horrible human being Harvey Weinstein and all this stuff. It's kind of like how, I mean, it's different, but it's kind of like how you can't really watch. It's very hard to watch Pump Up the Volume, and a lot of that is because of the music rights. So this is another one where it's because of the rights and stuff. So hopefully one day we'll be able to see it again because I think that is a fantastic film. I would love to talk about that movie on here. I think that's an amazing, amazing film. Love that movie so much. But And they're in that movie too. And so these, these two characters went on to become such a staple and such a pop, pop culture phenomenon, really. So I want to know... Um, what are your thoughts on Jay and Silent Bob, Aaron? I love Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> Again, like so many of their things are so wildly inappropriate. I feel bad laughing at it, but it's they're just too good. I feel like everybody like knows those two dudes that just hang out in front of the gas station or wherever. And yeah, J- Jay's little dance moves that he does. It's so good. God, they're perfect together. I'm really glad that Matt Smith decided to do Silent Bob um, because I think he's so perfect for that. And then whenever he does talk, like in all the movies, he's got like one line and it's just like such a perfect little like nugget of wisdom. <laughs> I think they're they're so good. Like I will never not watch something with Jay and Silent Bob. Even like the Jay and Silent Bob movies are so insanely stupid. But I love them. <laughs> Again, such like just wildly inappropriate things, but it, it's it's funny. I don't know. I can't explain why because I know a lot of people probably think it's really stupid. But they're so good. Um and they're like perfect together and jay is like 150 percent, and then bob is just like super mellow and hanging out and probably there to take care of jay to make sure he doesn't do anything too out of control (laughs) and i love that they're just like selling drugs to everybody like right in front of people right in front of dante (laughs) oh it's it's good like just hours of entertainment i I'm sure every day is a new adventure with those two outside of your store. (laughs) Well, I mean, you could never quit because you'd never find a place with better entertainment than those two. Oh my God, that's so true. Just let me imagine this like day in, day out of those two hanging out there. Yeah. And I think, 
this is so random, but it reminded me of um we've been super into Letterkenny and it re- reminds me of uh Stuart and Rold hanging out outside and they dance and just hang out outside of a convenience store too, which I love those those guys also. So I think Jay and Silent Bob are the originals though. They're so good, so good. And Sarah. Oh, what can I say? I mean, I just, I absolutely adore them. They play off of each other so very well. And even though Silent Bob obviously does not talk, um, hence his name, just some of his facial expressions and how he reacts to Jay is is just fantastic. You know, I think, uh, well, I mean, I could go on about about, you know, the other movies and and kind of how jay grows over over the movie over the other movies that was interesting what you said about his little dance scene which is fantastic that he didn't want they had to clear the set because he was so uncomfortable doing it which is so contrary to his character that you would think that wouldn't be the case but i did see jason muse at a convention uh i don't know maybe six seven years ago and while he is very much Jay, he's also very quiet and very humble, which was uh, which was interesting. And he also loves to mess with the uh, sign language interpreters, which is hilarious. But anyway, I just I like their characters. I think they're fun characters. I like how they've they've evolved <laughs> in in the Kevin Smith universe and. You know, and and like Aaron was saying, Bob, uh, Silent Bob always has that like one, that one perfect line, um, that little piece of wisdom or whatever uh, that fits in with the uh, the movie so well. Like in this case, telling him about you know giving his opinion on Veronica and and uh, you know, what he feels sort of about Caitlin, like, you know, she, she, she brought you lasagna, lasagna. And, you know, most girls just cheat on you. And that's the point that Dante realizes, oh my God, yeah, I love her. And then Randall has screwed everything up, <laughs> which leads to the major fight in the, in the convenience store where they're like throwing Twinkies at each other. But yeah, they're just, they're just fun characters to have around and they certainly keep uh, keep life in front of the convenience store and and video store interesting so yeah i i always love when james silent bob show up in kevin smith movies because you know it's just going to be hilarious okay i i like these characters later on i hate them in this movie i apologize i'm so sorry i and I think okay. when I first saw this movie, oh, I did, um, I did like them. When I remember when I first, very first saw them, I did, I did enjoy these characters. And these are very realistic characters. There were always the people that hung out side of the gas station. I mean, there were people that weren't necessarily just like them that also hung out at the front of the gas station. That was a big Gen X thing. But I just, oh, and I, and I think it's just because they weren't yet in. I don't know, comfortable yet in their shoes, especially Jason Mewes. And I think that might be part of why it just felt too sticky to me. And I really didn't enjoy them this time. And that's all I'm going to say. And I know people are going to be very upset about that, but, but it's just, but it's just the way I feel about them. 
I like them later on. I don't mind them as much later on. I actually end up really liking them as they go on through the Kevin Smith universe. I just didn't really enjoy watching them in this. And I was really kind of annoyed with most of their stuff. So that's all I'll say about them. No, I get, I completely get that because even though I do love their characters, this would probably be the least favorite movie with them because I do, I love the characters, but I do like when I was speaking about it, I'm thinking of, I probably, I was not focusing necessarily on clerics. I was more focusing on their characters as a whole throughout the Kevin Smith universe, Mm -hmm. but I, I totally understand what you're saying and where you're coming from on that because yeah, it is, their characters are a little bit sticky, but um, I still love them. (laughs) We're going to move on now to the horrors of working in retail. And like I said in the beginning, I think that's one of the things this film does amazingly. I think more than better than probably any other film. Like I think office space captures office life perfectly. I think clerks uh, captures retail life perfectly. So Aaron A., are there any personal experiences you want to share about working in that field, the joy of it? And how well do you think, I mean, I know we all kind of think this film captured it well. But <laughs> Joyce yeah. <and> quotes. <laughs> I had, yes, I remember as general, like, yes, retail having experiences like this, but I think it's so long ago, I've like blocked out a lot of it. <laughs> probably for my own good yeah like you were saying like office space is so perfectly for office um because i work in an office now and um i i remember having retail experiences but i didn't have like the whole sitting behind the counter experience ever i i worked like i worked at office depot and like checkout kind of stuff like that but um and i worked at a pet store which was like really weird experience we worked at a pet store right next to like an animal shelter <laughs> so <laughs> i don't know why i thought it was a good idea but so if like people come in and be all like shocked and appalled at like the price of a puppy and they're like we're just gonna go to the animal shelter i'm like cool good have fun good luck thank you <laughs> but yeah i can't remember like any really specific scenarios anymore other than i really enjoyed like the cult kind of just like hanging out with your friends aspect of it like whenever the store is empty and you just you can goof off and stuff and being able to just like go home and start a new shift and like you're starting over there's like no I don't know stress of like an office you've got like your pile of work waiting for you tomorrow so I do miss that (laughs) a lot actually but gosh yeah I feel like god I feel so old now because I don't I don't remember doing that. I like didn't have the same kind of experiences because I didn't work retail in high school or anything. And I know that's when a lot of people do that or like in your 20s and 30s. So it kind of makes me sad because I know I had experiences identify with this movie a lot. But I guess for my own good, I've probably blocked out the bad, <laughs> the bad customers. <laughs> and I just remember the good times whenever we you know you're closing the store and you're restocking and cleaning and everyone's got the music up really loud and um stuff like that and sarah well i've been a stay-at-home mom for a long time so uh going back to my retail days i mean i worked 
uh, high school, I worked in an ice cream shop, like actual local independent ice cream shop, not a Baskin Robbins or anything like that. And that wasn't too bad. I mean, we didn't have too much in the terms of uh, stupidity and annoying customers. <laughs> Although I do, I do think the the movie captures it just the the drudgery of retail work uh, so well. And then I did work in a video store, local chain, and that was that was fun. Uh, we had the back room with these saloon doors that would squeak so loudly when you walk through. Uh, so Randall reading off the list of pornos that he was ordering. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that sounds about what we, like what we had. And that wasn't too bad. I will say um, my, my worst customer service experience is when I was working in hotels, in hotels. I mean, customer service in gen- any sort of, whether it's retail, whether it's, you know, uh, restaurants, whatever, customer service is just the worst anytime you have to deal with the public. And I'm going to issue a little trigger warning of uh, racism. Um, I was working, this is, this is the worst customer service experience I had. And it was not, it, it wasn't directed towards me. I was um, guest services supervisor. This is at a hotel in Connecticut when I lived there. A very high-end hotel. I won't give the name. And we had a gentleman, We uh, I'll preface it by, most of our, I was in charge of the bell staff and the valet parkers. Um, and most of our bell, bell staff and valet parkers were of Haitian descent that had immigrated to the area. And we had a, a, a guy and his wife, I wanted to say gentleman because he was not a gentleman. Guy and his wife checking in and one of our bellmen offered to help him with his luggage, grabbed the bell cart, offered to help him with his luggage. And he refused help. So the bellman comes to me and he says, Sarah, you know, he, he wants to take the bell cart himself. We can't do that because it's liability reasons, whatever. So I go up to him and, you know, very politely, Hey, sir, you know, do you mind if I help you with that? I am tired of you people hassling me for a tip and but. I said, well, sir, I'm the guest services supervisor. You know, is there a problem? No, there's not a problem. And I just want to do this myself and I don't need you. I said, well, I'm happy to help you. I'm the guest services manager. You know, I'm not hassling you for a tip. This is the service we provide. And then he used a derogatory term for the employee. I, I just stood there in complete shock. I've never encountered, I mean, this was my early early to mid twenties. And I never encountered anything like that before in my life. And I was just shocked, but our manager on duty overheard it and uh, very nicely told him, um, no, you're not welcome here. And he and his wife left to go find another hotel where he could abuse more staff. Apparently. I mean that I've, you know, dealt with a lot of, you know, just stupid questions and, stupid people and like people that don't have common sense, but that was probably the worst encounter I've ever had with a customer in my life. And I, 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 I'm not that type of person. So it just shocks me so much. I I mean, I just stood there with my mouth open. I'm like, I don't even know how to respond to this. 
because it was just so horrible. And, you know, it's, it's, it's actually a short a story that I share frequently when, you know, talking about working in customer service, just because I, I see more and more of that every day now, you know, people like berating retail workers and customer service employees with you know, racial slurs, derogatory slurs, that sort of thing. And I think that's more why I wanted to share it that like, you know, this has been going on for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, oh my God, it's just, it, it, ugh. sorry. No, that was, that was great though. I think that was a really great story to add because it is something like you said, it, that's something that goes on all the time. Still, it's a big thing right now. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of prejudice around right now too. And retail workers do seem to get the brunt of it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but like I said, when this movie, well, it wasn't when it was out because I thought it was out in 95, but in 95, when I saw this, I was working at Blockbuster Video and I, I worked at Blockbuster Video for a couple of years. I ended up being like an assistant manager and Yes, a lot of the customers would be really flippin' annoying. I have to say, I would recommend that they would go to the more independent video store in Boulder. A lot of times I would send them there because a lot of titles we didn't carry or they'd have the blockbuster cut. That's really what we would call it. So if you had an NC-17 movie, we couldn't we couldn't rent those. So they would have a cut that was unrated, but it would also be cut where they would cut certain things that would have made it NC-17. So... And we also wouldn't carry some titles that were a little bit more obscure. So I was always sending people to the video store, which I wasn't supposed to be doing. Um, But I had people, you know, I had one woman who was, the biggest thing was always late fees that people were the most irate about. And people would just be yelling and screaming at you. And one woman said, I know this is just a silly little job and you're just a little kid and this is your, and I was like, I work damn, I was thinking in my head, I work so damn hard at this job. You have no idea. This is a hard job and I'm not just some little kid. This isn't my first job, you know, but I had a lot of fun working there. Even though you'd have to deal with the customers that would be yelling, complaining about their late fees, or you would have people that would literally come up like that person says and says, do you have that movie with that one guy and that other girl? And it came out last year and it revolved this. And you'd be like, you mean every single movie that came out last year, you would have that. And you'd have people standing right by what they were looking for. And they'd ask, where is this? Um, You had people asking prices. You had people like we were closed and someone came back to return, you know, video, a video game machine. And we were closed. They're like, open up. I'm like, I can't, I legally can't. And they threw the machine at the door. They were so pissed. (laughs) So you had that stuff. But you know, I, I worked with people that were my friends. We hung out all the time after work and I got to rent, you know, like up to five movies a week, I think it was. And that was awesome. And my roommate worked at a, a video a movie theater. So our entertainment was like taken care of. We're, we're broke. We don't have very much money. And it was the first job that I had outside of high school. It was I was living, you know, on my own. I mean, I had a roommate, but living on my own. It was my first real adult, adult experience. I mean, I had had jobs before. I'd been working basically, you know, since I was like 13, 12 or 13. So I had had jobs a long time, but this was different just because it was my first job I had living on my own, you know, and it was fun. I mean, we'd have, I mean, even when we did the annoying inventory nights where we'd have to 
we'd go there after we were closed and you have to turn off all the lights and we'd scan everything to see what had been stolen and everything. Um, even that was fun. Even though we would complain about it, there was a fun part of it because we would go out afterwards and eat or we'd order food in or stuff like that. And, you know, we would, we would stay up all night. We would, I mean, it was just, it was so much fun. And I got to know really great people. I, I mean, I don't think I'd want to work in a retail job now, but there were the aspects of it that were fun of, it isn't your regular nine to five job. And there are some differences there. And, but I have such great respect for retail workers. I never, ever think of anyone who works in these positions as being beneath me because they're not. And I think everybody should have to work some kind of job where they have to deal with the public in some way, even if it's for like a month, to get some kind of idea of what people go through in that so that I think maybe it can help you get a little bit more empathy. So yeah, and I I worked at an ice cream shop. I worked at a Baskin Robbins, Sarah, and this is why I will never eat Baskin Robbins ice cream ever, oh, no. ever. This was in like high school. It was like right before my senior year and in the summer I worked there because I also did a lot of like worked as a file clerk at the law office. My mom worked at babysitting, of course. Um, mm-hmm. I also worked at a Mrs. Fields in the Aurora Mall. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but the Baskin Ramens I worked at, um, for people that are local here, it was near Evans in Colorado. And right by, there was this dance club that burned down called the Deadbeat Club that I used to go to all the time. So it was the Baskin Ramens over there. Mm-hmm. And the reason I won't eat there is the freezer burn on Baskin Robbins ice cream is so bad. Oh my gosh. I'm like, how could trying to scoop that? I got carpal tunnel in my hand from working. I can, I can believe it. I mean, where I worked, it was a, it was a local one. So we made our, we made our own ice cream. So, you know, we didn't have to worry about it, like sitting in freezers for however long and then being shipped in. It was all made fresh. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, but I, I could, I could believe that. (laughs) Yeah. And trying to dig in those huge barrels when they're almost Mm -hmm. gone. And my very first day working at Baskin Robbins, a news crew was there. They're doing some stories, some summer story. (laughs) And I was like, this is my very first day. I was so nervous (laughs) trying to scoop that. I was scooped out my first Sunday or my first, I don't know. It was some kind of specialty thing. And I was I was a nervous wreck. And that job I hated. And I hated working at Mrs. Fields too. So the food, I think working with food is a whole different animal. It, it is. So that was not that was not fun. But yeah, I will never yeah. eat Baskin Ramen's ice cream because of working there. Yeah, no, but you you brought up a good point. I think everyone needs to work in, in some sort of customer service job at some point in their life. Because I know I do between working briefly in retail and then most of my background is in is in hotels working front desk in hotels um i do have much more empathy for your restaurant workers your hotel workers your retail workers um because they do get crapped on a lot mm-hmm. it really is a thankless job uh, a necessary one but it is a thankless job and i don't you know just having people yelling at you throughout the day it's rather stressful (laughs) yeah I mean I I applaud anyone who can work in especially nowadays I applaud anyone who can work in retail because yeah I I don't I don't want to deal with the public (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> My friends, yes. The public in general, no. Yeah, I could never go back to retail. I feel like I'm way too randomly now <laughs> to deal with <laughs> way too randomly <laughs> with those people. I I would get fired in like three hours. <laughs> <laughs> What's the cat's name? Annoying customer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it was hard enough dealing with people when I was volunteering at an animal shelter. And I did that for a few years, and that was hard enough because, oh, my gosh, the people that would come in there, some of them, and you'd have, like, oh, just – that's – that really doesn't have anything to do with this. But, the but I mean, <laughs> I loved doing that, but working with the public, that was still working with the public, and it was back to that, and and you're not even getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, no, when I'm all the time at the shelter, I, I walk the dogs so you don't have to talk to the people. <laughs> That's the better job for yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I would do that too. And that was definitely mm-hmm. the better one. So I would do both that. I would alternate, do that. And then um, working like yeah, you're brave. showing the dog. I also, I work for the government. So I have to deal with those people oh. every day Ooh. anyway, because I am the manager that things get escalated to. So oh, God. whenever Sorry. I, when I have to talk to um, a customer, they're already mad when they get to me. Uh, yeah so, so that's you're just trying to diffuse the situation yeah my favorite line is i pay your paycheck you'll do what i want and i'm like that's not how it works <laughs> yeah when people think that they're entitled because they pay you it's so much worse <laughs> bad. yeah well i mean the, the bonus part about working with the public when i did that with the shelters i got to see like the happy stories of the dogs and cats coming home and you know the dogs that i was attached to and stuff like that so that was that was the that was the nice part was seeing you at home. But we're gonna go ahead and it's time now to play six degrees of Finn Whitrock. Now I know, Aaron, you've had some technical difficulties, but you are part of the Finn crew. So you are part of my required base to do this. So I really hope you did. And Sarah, I don't know if you did you come up with one? I got nothing this week. This one is so fucking <laughs> easy. Um I, I I know you said that and I'm like racking my brain and i'm going through IMDb and i just couldn't find anything so yeah i got i got nothing this week okay that's fine that's fine but aaron a i i did the easy one should we talk about the easy one first and then i did yeah. two i did a like slightly less easy one but still it wasn't that hard this time <laughs> so i guess first we'll talk about kevin smith and like all of the everybody's in every kevin smith movie so we're gonna go with dogma right? Is that the what you were thinking of with Ben Affleck? Um, and Finn is with Finn. Finn and Ben um, are in, um, I have in my notes, in all caps, the snail movie. Yes, yeah, snail propaganda. But we're going to call snail propaganda film um, called, uh, officially called Deep Water. <laughs> but it is Finn and snails is all you need to know about that movie. <laughs> that makes it so like some weird scene <laughs> i should have known that <laughs> oh. it was a snail propaganda movie and i have another one too just because that one seemed a little too easy so um also with clerks two starred rosario dawson um who is in daredevil uh the the tv show with vincent d'onofrio who was in ratchet with the, with Finn. oh i like that one you know what you know what's funny is we've used a lot of ryan murphy stuff but i don't i think we've only used ratchet like once or twice so ooh, that's i like that one 
yeah, I decided because I was like, someone's going to use the Ben Affleck one, so <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put that. And 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 Sarah, I will say, I know you're you're not part of you don't you're not as familiar with Finn's work, so I understand <laughs> when you're not as familiar with Finn's work, it may not be <laughs> as easy as I'm saying it is, but. I'm, I'm I'm becoming more familiar now. <laughs> I mean, really, honestly. So I may be able to play in the future. <laughs> honestly, once you become more familiar with that, you go to his IMDb. It is so easy to connect him to things. It's amazing. Um, some of them are easier than I think they'll be kind of thing. Um, but I used Brian O'Halloran, who was in How Do You Know with Paul Rudd, who, of course, has been in tons of Marvel movies as Ant-Man. And who else has been in Marvel movies? Mark Ruffalo, of course, as the Hulk. And Mark Ruffalo was in the fantastic film The Normal Heart with Finn. So there is that one. And I want to say, if you have a movie or a television show that you would like us to try and connect Finn to, something he's not in, everybody, make him as obscure as possible, too. We are going to have a post out soon and we'll be asking for these for our May 20th marathon streaming event. We are going to do a special round of Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock because we had to do something for Finn during that time too. And we're going to use your suggestions. So make them as obscure as possible. Test us, push us, punish us, <laughs> punish us, <laughs> make it hard to connect Finn Whitrock to these movies or television shows in six degrees or less. And you might win something. So if you submit those suggestions to us before May 20th, and if we use it, we will put your name in a hat. It won't be a hat. It's like this internet thing. You'll be able to see it on the May 20th streaming event. And it will randomly choose one person to win some It's a Findom Thing merch from our Redbubble store. So, and who knows, maybe we'll throw in it's a snail thing sticker, <laughs> which was inspired <laughs> by the snail propaganda film, <laughs> Deep Water. Snails, <laughs> snails, snails. Yeah, which is so funny because on our first marathon streaming event, we had a special Finn Whitrock centered episode where we eviscerated that movie. We reviewed it. <laughs> we loved Finn in it. We thought he was great. We loved watching him for like the 10 minutes of screen time he has in that movie. But um, yeah, so it's kind of ironic there. But anyway, but get those suggestions in. I will probably have a post by this time, I think. And I'll keep making posts asking for that as well for May 20th. You don't have to watch it in order to win. You just have to submit something. And then later on, go tune in and watch. And you might win some free merch. But we're going to go ahead and close out this episode and close out this month, this year's celebration of Gen X movies. We do have a couple of Gen X movies, though, that are coming your way later this year that are the reason I call them Gen X is because I think Gen X and millennials and really, really love these movies. And that's going to be and actors. We're going to be talking about River Phoenix and then we're going to talk about Stand By Me. We're going to be talking about Tim Curry and then we're going to talk about Clue. Um, and then we're going to be talking about the outsiders. So those are very much in the same realm. I just, for some reason, didn't put them in these. I like to mainly, with the exception of Dazed and Confused, set these movies in that time period that we cover. Just so you know, because you'll be like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to close this out and everyone can say where they can be found. So Aaron A., where can everybody find you? 
I am on Instagram and Twitter, but not really um, at Geek and So. That's what I do. I geek and I sew things. Awesome. Yeah, and Twitter is hell anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. I haven't haven't been there in a while, honestly. It's not fun. Uh, so, Sarah, where can they find you? I am on uh, Instagram and the uh, current cesspool that is Twitter, uh, at NateCamMom, that's N-A-T-E-C-A-M-M-O-M, or on Facebook at Sarah Barnick, that's B-A-R-N-A-I-K. Awesome. Thank you. And this is Erin. Uh, remember, follow Fergie on TikTok at Schroeder and Fergs. That's S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R-A-N-D-F-E-R-G-S. I know it is incredibly long, but it is incredibly worth it. She is hysterical. She's a clown. So go follow her adventures. Um, yeah, they're, they're, she's, she's so funny. I, I love her. And on our TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod, I recently posted a TikTok of Fergie. She loves horror movies, but Fergie also loves Abbott Elementary. It is so hilarious. When I turn it on, she jumps in her chair. Yeah, it's a shared chair, but she basically takes it over. It's like her throne. She will sit there, and there's a video of her watching Abbott Elementary that I posted just recently, and she is in rapt attention. She just loves Abbott Elementary. <laughs> so... So she's not just about the horror. She's also about learning and laughing and having fun. So go follow us on TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, or if you would like to potentially be part of our May 20th marathon streaming event, Head over to our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click the contact us button there. We also, Erin A. has created a page dedicated to the May 20th marathon streaming event. You can click on that page. It will be updated once we have soon. At some point, it will be updated with information. I am going to be creating like a PDF thing once I know the full schedule and it's set out that people can follow along that schedule. But if you want to potentially be a part of it, go over there and hit the contact us button. There will also be, there'll be more information soon about some giveaways we're going to do for people who become Patreon supporters or who already are. We're going to do some drawings of names for certain things to give away. Um, and also one of the, the smaller prizes, although I think it's a good prize, is you'd be able to choose one of our fandom topics that we discussed during one of our weekly pop culture and fandom news episodes. Within reason, I can veto things. If it's something really icky, we're not going to cover it. <laughs> if, if it's something, you know, that's very, very conservative, we will probably not be covering it. But I don't think people that listen to this will be doing that anyway. <laughs> so you have until 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time to become a Patreon supporter and be eligible on May 20th and become to... Become a Patreon supporter for as little as three bucks a month to become eligible for that. We are speaking of Office Space that we mentioned earlier. That's probably the one that's going to win. We are going to be doing a Patreon-only episode coming up soon featuring, we're going to do a commentary track. So we're going to hit play on Office Space. And my panelists right now, um, Paula, is definitely going to be on. don't know if there's going to be other people. This is going to be an unedited thing. And we are going to do a commentary track while watching Office Space. 
So we won't be recording the office space part because we can't legally rule, <laughs> but we'll, you'll have to push play as well. So I think that's going to be a ton of fun. So become a Patreon supporter today. Link in bio. Okay. And starting next week, we are kicking off Comedy Month. So the way Comedy Month is going to work is the first two weeks, it's going to be two rom-coms. And then the last two weeks, it's going to be two sitcoms or comedy shows. And the reason I changed it like that is last year, I had to watch eight comedy shows and I can never do that to myself again. That was way too much. So we're only doing two. So we're going to kick off things with, speaking of Mark Ruffalo, 13 going on 30, starring the incredible Mark Ruffalo. (laughs) And also Jennifer Garner, of course, who is amazing. And this was one of our most popular episodes among our panelists. I have many panelists, one of them right here, who is very sad that they couldn't be on it because it filled up in about two seconds flat. That will be with um, Carla, Meg, and Tiff, so the sexy ladies. And then... The next week, we are going to talk about Always Be My Maybe. And then the follow after that, we're going to be talking about Scrubs, which is a first time watch for me. I'm watching that right now. And then we are going to round it out with Abbott Elementary, which is Fergie's favorite comedy show. (laughs) And we all love Abbott Elementary. (laughs) I know Erin A is very sad because she was supposed to be on it and can't. It's so good. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter, and Stop Asian Hate. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.